With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon. You're listening to Gambling with an Edge. Now here are your hosts, Bob Dancer and Richard Munchkin. Good afternoon. Welcome to Gambling with an Edge. I'm Bob Dancer. And I'm Richard Munchkin. Our guest today is Buddy Frank, longtime slot director at a variety of casinos, some uh, tribal casinos and some non-tribal casinos. And now he's a consultant in that general area. Buddy always has interesting insights that most players don't see. The particular reason for Buddy on coming on today is last week in Las Vegas was G2E, Global Gaming Expo, which is all things related to casinos are put on display in the convention center, the Sands Convention Center, which is bet- uh, between uh, Venetian and Palazzo. It is huge. They have games. They have um, surveillance equipment. They have uniforms. They have marketing. They have food offerings. They have promotions. Anything that could be used in a casino is on display. And uh, and it's huge. So uh, Richard did not go this year. Uh, Buddy and I both went. We each found some things that we think our audience would be interested in. So, Buddy Frank, welcome to Gambling with an Edge. Thanks for having me back. It's always fun to talk with you both at the show and you and Richard after the show. And it's fun to have you. All right. So, within the general area of machine games which could either be video poker or slot machines or even cabinets. Uh, What did you see that was interesting? You know, it was real interesting coming out of the pandemic, a a couple of factors. One, obviously, is the show is back. That place, uh, as you saw, was mobbed this year. of particular note was you and I chatted, particularly on Thursday. Thir- the, the trade show portion of this exposition uh, opens Tuesday, and it's open Wednesday and Thursday. And as you know, in the past, Thursday is nearly deserted. The only people wandering around are competitors looking at the other competitors. Not so this year. The show was packed from opening day till the end. 
and um, it kind of shows the, I, I think, the economic recovery of most vendors and operators from the pandemic period. But the pandemic produced some other things, too. Uh, a lot of the folks, uh, you know, laid off their sales team and their tech teams and everything else, but most of them kept full speed ahead, particularly aristocrat, with all their R&D efforts. So we're seeing an awful lot of brand new stuff, both last year at the smaller show, half virtual, and this year. Uh, a lot of new cabinet offerings, a lot of new mechanics on slot machines, a lot of innovative thinking. Probably as a category, um, the biggest increase is what uh, we call ETGs or electronic table games. You know, uh, several vendors have really stepped up their games in that area. And you're starting to see them on casino floors now. So, um, Buddy, every year there seems to be a trend, an overall trend at the show that really everybody is jumping on. A couple of years ago, there were just all about sports betting stuff was everywhere. Uh, one year it was all about the move to cashless gaming. There were tons of people promoting different uh versions of their cashless gaming what was the big overriding trend for this year oh my god you must have your swami hat on today richard because the <laughs> trends were get ready for this shocker cashless gaming and sports yeah. betting they were the two big topics um um uh one of the biggest interesting spin-offs was aristocrat uh, Aristocrat is by far the number one slot manufacturer right now. But one area they've never been huge in is branding, meaning they don't do the James Bonds of the world and, and all the other top titles. But this year, they announced the largest single brand deal in history. They're signing up with the NFL. Kind of a tie-in to this whole sport betting thing. Um, Boy, that NFL who hated gambling for so many decades suddenly just loves it, don't they? Oh, the NFL is just uh, born again uh, uh, sports betting fans now after all those years of saying we were evil and couldn't even be associated, couldn't even put a logo anywhere in the stadium of a casino. And now here they are full-blown partners. But they signed a massive deal. No one's saying how big the dollars are, but it had to be huge. And it covers both the teams and the players. So you can imagine how many separate little contracts they have to do. Now, wow. this whole thing, they debuted at the show in a little secret booth, um, strangely shaped like a giant NFL uh, helmet. But the product will not actually launch until the start of next year's football season. But a lot of talk. And and kind of mixed reservations because you may remember a few years back, Scientific Games, which is now called Light and Wonder, introduced NASCAR when it was really hot and it totally bombed. So hopefully they've learned some lessons and will do a better job with NFL, which is probably the most biggest name in sports betting and gambling in general. A couple, two or three years ago, or before the pandemic, the big 
thing at the show was uh, skill games, uh, skill slot machines. Huh. And there were lots and lots and lots of varieties of that. This year, I didn't see any of those. Um, did you see any of those, buddy? No. In fact, you and I discussed that. I wrote several stories the last, well, not last year or the shutdown year, but the two years prior to that, the biggest and most active, by that I mean the booths with screams and yells and huge crowds and you couldn't get into because it was packed with millennials, were those offering skill-based games. To my knowledge, now by the way, I, I got to explain for your audience that when we're talking skill-based, we're not talking about blackjack craps or video poker. We're talking about slot machines with some skill-based element built into it. Uh, I didn't see one of those manufacturers in the last four years produce a game that really generated any interest whatsoever. And at the show, unless I missed it, Bob, I didn't see a single vendor whose specialty is skill-based games. So that, that may be in temporary hibernation until someone figures out a better way to do it. You mentioned that there was a lot more um, electronic versions of table games. So we ex should we be expecting to see more electronic blackjack, craps, roulette, baccarat? Do they have versions now of the carnival games as well, like Ultimate Texas Hold'em and things like that? Um, I don't know about Ultimate Texas Hold'em, but every every game practically is out there. And and obviously the, the excitement is two things. One is uh, reduced labor cost. Uh, of course, table, yeah. Table games have always remained hugely popular, but they're not as profitable as slot machines. And the biggest reason is labor. So wouldn't it be nice if you could figure out a way to, from a casino operator's perspective, to offer good games... Uh, but not have a big labor component. And that comes down to an electronic table games. I, I, I like them and think there's a place because I grew up playing table game, maybe like you did, Richard, but I don't know. But I started on the $2, $5 table because quite frankly, as a young guy, I couldn't afford a $10, $25 limit. And I really enjoyed playing the game. Well, a new player today in a casino on swing shift, particularly on a weekend, is not gonna find anything close to a $2 or $5 table. Uh, and in fact, they're virtually priced out of the market. But with a stadium set up with ETGs, you could profitably run a $2 table today and make money. Um, and you do it with volume, the margins are still the same. And, and as you know, table games, if the players even have a modicum of skill, are going to play that game at about 1% hold, a true hold. And, um, and that's not very profitable for a casino if they have to supply a live dealer. But if you can put uh, 25 players on that same game with one dealer or no dealers, then your profitability is huge. So I think it offers a great market uh, for newer players and a, a way for people to get into table games um, more economically and with greater enjoyment. So I hope that continues. Now, a year ago, year and a half ago, we saw the introduction of a, a full electronic craps game, which I really liked. It was from Maruse, 
but it suffered from some operator problems. It got cheated a lot by people doing some things like um, they would run, they would distract the dealer, run around, enter the results of the game, cash out their bets, and run away, um, and huh. things like that. Or, or the dealer wouldn't carefully watch the outcome of the dice. They would move those, and then the dealer would enter it wrongly. It was actually a matter of training, uh, if anything. Well, they've reintroduced that game now and are using some electronics to monitor the dice outcome. So we'll have to see how that goes. Cause this be is, uh, just to be clear to the audience, this is uh, an electronic game in that it keeps track of everybody's bets. It you exactly. bet electronically, but you do actually roll the or throw the dice, and there is exactly. a dealer there. Exactly. To, yeah. And I don't know if you know, but in from the operator's point of view, the crap dealer is is a, a difficult proposition. One is generally they don't make as many tips as a blackjack dealer. But they need to be much higher skill level because guess what? You got to know math. Uh, to yeah. out Imagine that. Math. These bets is tough. So therefore, you've got to find better people and pay them less uh, via the tip route than other dealers. So it was always a problem getting good qualified craps crew to work the table. ETG seemed to offer the prospect that you could take a... Um, uh, a non-craps player, I mean a non-craps enthusiast, put him on that game and operate it just fine. Well, the Ruse example shows that the dealer has to be a little bit sophisticated, not necessarily in math, but they got to watch the game a little bit more carefully than they did. The, One thing you about know, the having... I'm sorry, go ahead, Bob. One thing about the studio gaming, there can be 20, 30 seats at this game um and the same console that you're betting at can have blackjack it can have roulette it can have craps they're all happening at the same time or they can in some of the versions and a one dollar player can be playing the game and in the same stadium a thousand dollar a hand player can be playing a game now in a casino pit you're not going to find that spread uh, between the smallest and the largest, and the tables are going to be limited to six players or some similar number. Um, there is a lot less player interaction with the dealer. Uh, dealers on a table with four or five or six players know that their tips often depend on their personality. Here, the dealer is quite a ways away from you. And there's not the individual interaction with each of the players. Um, so there is a spot on your screen for you to put a tip if you want to. But it's uh, it won't be well, done. Well, there's a lot as less tip. pressure on the player to tip, right, if they don't have to actually talk to the dealer. Now, some dealers don't want to talk to the players. And so for them, they'll probably like this better. But, you know, for me, I was a dealer that always wanted to talk to the players. And this would have driven me crazy if I had to stand there dealing all those hours and not talk to anybody. You know, I don't, I don't think as uh, players, you realize some of the small details that plague operators and tips are one of the bigger ones. 
Uh, for example, I've been pushing for a long time and hope that the federal government will change their $1,200 tax reporting limit up to $5,000. This would really be great for players because they wouldn't get interrupted um, constantly if you're playing higher denomination by these machines shutting down so they can do their tax obligation paperwork. But it would be a disaster from some perspectives for those uh, players, slot attendants who, who want the opportunity to seek a tip out on every $1,200 jackpot. So we have to balance those two kinds of things. And I mentioned already the problem with craps dealers who have to be more skilled, not having the opportunity to make as much as a, forgive me, Richard, but a slightly less skilled blackjack dealer. Oh, no, 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 you're not. They definitely uh, are are way more skilled. I mean, I did be, deal both. Not only does the crap dealer have to know math, but they have to have better dexterity. The handling of the chips and craps is much more complicated than uh, on blackjack. I agree. And the physical exercise, bending over and reaching the far parts of the table, um, I suspect your back can be hurting by the end of the day. Yep, yep. Especially if you're not as tall as I am and can reach all the way across, you know, the far side of the table. Yeah, well, they they just called you Munchkin because you're six foot four. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I want to talk about one thing people may not know about G2E. Not only is it a great show of physically seeing all these machines and exploring new games, but it's also when the whole investment community uh, descends on Vegas. Uh, all these guys who are in the other gambling business, known as the stock market, uh, come to Las Vegas and do their research. And there's some troubling trends to me, some of which you can see on your floor. One, during the pandemic, we got a great lab theoretical exercise of shutting down slot machines. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, no rational person would shut down a whole bunch of slot machines to test the theory. That theory being that maybe fewer good machines would be superior to having a whole bunch of weak machines. But the pandemic forced that. Uh, People had to reduce their counts because of spread, because of infection control. And so they threw away some of the weaker games and kept the stronger games. Sounds simple. But a lot of operators made more money with fewer machines than ever before. That's kind of a good thing. Um, Some did the opposite, took that same lesson and got rid of weak machines, but added a whole bunch more, quote, good machines. And, And so that was really positive out of the pandemic. The other thing was the cleanliness standards in casinos are better than they've ever been, um, which is really refreshing. And, uh, and we started spreading games out a bit more, more rounds, four panks, tripods, things like that, to give greater separation of players. And I appreciated that. I don't like to be right on top of other players. And lastly, a few casinos restricted smoking and found out it didn't hurt revenues as much as everybody feared. Those are the good things. But the bad things are, and this was really reflected in the comments of the investors was they found out they could take, quote, marginally profitable products and get rid of them. Um, Entertainment 
and, and two that I really want to discuss are buffets and bingo halls. Um, everybody knows that bingo halls and buffets are seldom your profit leaders. In, in fact, they're marginal at best. Um, and everyone that I met when I was on investor calls or listened in is they were all thrilled that they didn't have to offer these things anymore and could still make good money. I'm horrified by this because quite honestly, I never saw a buffet or bingo hall that wasn't packed. So quite obviously, even though the profit of those is less than say slot machines, which is huge, people love them. But this little trend says that, hey, in the name of increased profitability and higher um, investor return, we can eliminate things like that. And to me, higher profitability often means worse product. And that's something that really bothers me is this trend. You know, I used to rail about resort fees and parking fees, but I think the, um, the elimination of most properties of bingo hall and buffets is really a, a bad trend. So um, for the last few years, there has been a big push in the slot world to have these uh two state games right where things build up in the machine and then there's like a jackpot that you hit when it gets to a certain level not not like a progressive i mean sort of like a progressive but one where you don't know when that jackpot is going to hit necessarily sometimes you do so is that still a big trend yes and no um, one is, Richard, you got to understand that all slot players are different. Um, um, when the early dollar machines came out, uh, you, you guys both familiar with the slot machine called Blazing Sevens? Yeah. One of the most popular slot machines ever. It's a buy a pay introduced by Bally years ago. Well, that machine is very, very volatile. Um, it, it featured a $1,000 top-end jackpot. But the problem with that game is if you came into the casino with $600, that machine could suck all $600 and not give you a single thing back. On the other hand, on coin 601, it could spit out $1,000 or it could have spit out 1000 on your very first coin. It was very, very volatile. Well, that game was a huge, huge success, but only with players who were playing for a return like that. And, and who appreciated those odds. It was very volatile. Now, a person there just for entertainment value wanted to spend a couple hours in the casino would probably hate that game. He would prefer a game like IGT's popular at the same time, um, Double Diamond, which is what I would call a dribble pay, meaning it gave you a lot of small little rewards, then took it away, then small rewards. So it gave you a lot of seat time and a lot of a little bit more entertainment value, where the Blazing Sevens gave you these roller coaster highs and lows of return. Both types of games are still popular today. Now, one thing that did happen is those highly volatile games were put over to pennies, and that changed the world in that uh, a lot of people didn't. Losing $600 is a lot different than losing $6. So that made the highly volatile games work for people with smaller budgets. 
So there's a market for both. And you're right, Richard. There's a lot more of those volatile games, but there's also a lot of mid-range games. Years ago on slot machines and video poker machines, the size of the screen was fairly small, similar to um, a, a large laptop, a medium-sized laptop computer today. Today, they go for several feet high sometimes. They have curved screens. Um, the graphics is far superior. The Many of the slot machines... Um, play little movies and have fantastic sound systems when various pay events happening. Now, all these things are expensive to produce, and but they are entertainment. They are definitely entertaining. But the net effect is the game they offering has to uh, return less to the player to pay for the equipment, play for these far more expensive machines, uh, graphics and stuff. Uh, do you find that to be true, buddy? Or is it just these are so popular, a, a 92% slot machine um, is still offered at 92%, but they're getting so much more money in that the casino still works out just fine. No one likes to see prices go up, but but at that same time, you've noticed that minimum bets are a lot higher. You know, the most popular machine in the past was a two-coin, three-coin dollar uh, today, it's tough to find a penny machine that you can play decently for 2 or $3. So the average bets have gone up uh, substantially. And quite frankly, if a machine's any good at all, Bob, you recover that cost of investment so quickly, it's almost not an issue. Now, for God's sakes, I hope no manufacturer listens to this and raises prices because they are expensive. But I don't think that's been the driving force. Um, do, you, do you both own... Uh, flat screen TV now, HD. I do. Yeah. You know, the, the horrible thing was when you buy your first one, I, I remember when they first came out, I had a gorgeous 24-inch CRT TV, and I was just fine with it. And then I made the mistake of buying one HD TV. And all of a sudden, your other one looked like prehistoric. And so you had to replace them all. Same with slot machines. They look just fine for me, those early aristocrat machines that are making money. Soon as we put in one LED or LCD machines with those great graphics, all of a sudden the others look prehistoric and it forced us to upgrade them all. And the same's happened with size. I, I mean, Bob, you saw that show. I mean, the screens are gorgeous and they're huge and everything. If you put a machine from eight years ago on the floor, it, it would look like it's running on kerosene. It would be so dated. So we're almost forced to do that to keep up. It's kind of like your cell phone, you know, that those early flip phones work. But my God, when you have a big screen smartphone in your pocket, it's hard to ever go back. I'm going to push back on one of the things you said, buddy. Um, I play a lot of slots in addition to video poker. And many of the games, they have a an option where you can play um, at 50 cents total bet or 75 cents or 80 cents. And you can just be playing away. It is the same physical game 
as you would be playing at say four dollars but an 80 percent 80 cent bet would be 20 percent of the cost and 20 percent of the return so a lot of these machines that are out there you have a choice as to how big you play it and the lower choice is definitely far less than two or three dollars now there can be on the same box many opportunities of um it's it's the same type of game but different progressives are going on at the 80 cent level compared to the 160 level compared to the 240 level compared to however high it goes and so players will flip through to some players will flip through and to find out the one where the best progressive situation occurs other players are always going to play the the cheapest one period whether that has the best conditions or not just because they're they think that makes their gambling dollar go go further but it is no problem in today's casino to find 60 or 80 or 75 cent minimum bets on fully functional um entertaining slot machines um interestingly 10 years ago i would have told you if you wanted basic rules for playing slot machines i'd say a couple things one play the highest denomination machine you could find if you could afford a hundred dollar machine play it because it's going to be looser the other advice was always play max coin because most machines of the time featured better odds um when you played max coin and i mentioned that blazing sevens it was called the buy a pay you get three blazing sevens on the line if you played one coin it gives you zero if you played two coins you get like a 20 or 50 coin return but if you'd played three coins and got blazing sevens you get the thousand dollar jackpot so that was called buy a pay and most machines had a similar thing that the more you played or the larger your bet the better the features today the my advice is the customer you got to look at the pay table carefully about half or more of the machines in the industry bob still have a feature like that whereas you move up and play at max coin you'll get in the different kinds of bonuses and better return in fact the overall odds of the machine are significantly better if you play max bet than lower machines but to your point not all machines are like that some are true multipliers and there's no difference between min bet and max and those games what i recommend to people is my god start small and if you enjoy the game and are getting great entertainment value then play larger but you don't need to play the max all the time um, in the poker world it used to be standard that if you increase denominations you'd find a better pay table um, today i don't know if the operators don't know what they're doing or not but a lot of games are the same odds at a nickel as they are at five dollars some aren't as you know and you would know this far better because you spend more time looking at those machines than i do but again both examples are out there you need to look at the pay table some games you can play a smaller bet other games you're hurting your odds if you don't play max bet there are at least some slot machines where it is better odds for the player if they play minimum bet than maximum bet um there are some where 
if you're betting, let's say the base bet is 60 cents and you can play it at 1x, 2x, 5x, or 10x, and the things don't multiply up the same. So your actually odds are better playing it at 1x than it is playing it at 10x. Now, of course, if, you're, you can, if you want to go up in stakes, you go up in denomination. So playing uh, at a 10 cent level, 1x is better than playing at a 1 cent level, 10x on these particular games. There are other really games where multipliers don't kick in unless you're playing at least, say, $4 a hand. Yep. So um, these are, would be games where you spin a wheel of some sort and get this 50,000 to one shot jackpot, but you're only eligible for that jackpot to get uh, if you're betting at least a certain size. So those there's a, a number of games that are like that. Well, you and I had an interesting discussion at the show, and it applies to what you just said about progressives on traditional slot machines. Um, for years, you and I knew that slot machines were pure random, and you didn't really have any particular advantage other than what the manufacturer said at the game. But with progressives, you can often find conditions where because it's had a lot of play without having a hit, the progressive actually turns the machine positive. And to your point on earlier, sometimes those progressives amount are linked to the denomination. And so sometimes the lower denomination could have a very positive progressive amount that the higher denomination would not. And so that would also apply to what you talked about. But you've got That's to look for true. those. Yeah, and players so do look was, for those. There was yes, a Rick. big, tr uh, there was a big trend for uh, must hit by machines, right? So you would see on the machine this jackpot must hit by this amount. Uh, are those uh, getting more popular? Will should we expect to see more of those types of machines? You know what really got everybody excited about those is a small Australian company by veteran Lynn Ainsworth, who founded Aristocrat years ago. He produced a couple of video dollar games from Ainsworth uh, that had that must hit by feature. They were wildly popular. In fact, it's the only Ainsworth game that's still very, very popular in high limit rooms. And people just love that game. Who loves it best are advantage players, because if they monitor those and happen to find one that's close to its must-hit level, the game almost becomes positive, or does Gee, that, that might have something to do with why I asked. <laughs> exactly. And, and so those games are wildly popular with that crowd, but they're also very popular with just the standard person passing by. In fact, it's the whole reason progressives in general work. Um, even players who don't understand the math, if they see a row of games and one says 1100, one says um, uh, 1153, and another one says 1172, and then there's one that says 1560, they kind of know that that one's got a better chance of hitting, even if they're not math whizzes. 
So and also when you better chance of getting a W2G. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to a must-hit-buy, those things are just killer. It's amazing to watch what happens when those things get anywhere close. And that was the whole reason for doing that kind of machine. It's the same as bar pokers. You know, people would shop those progressive meters. So this is a concept that's as old as the hills, but they they did it really effectively using... I don't know if you guys know, most progressives in the world are what's called symbol-driven. And, and, and as Bob well knows, you hit a royal flush, you probably hit the large progressive. But the slot world developed a thing called a mystery progressive. And it's not symbol-driven. And when I say symbol-driven, I mean the base machine has a random number generator that either predicts your that either displays your poker outcome or your slot machine outcome, and the jackpot triggers off that. Well, mystery pays and must hit by, there's a whole separate RNG in the progressive controller. And you can set that to go off randomly. Uh, and, and what happens, unbeknownst to anyone, is the RNG sets some coin in number, like 3 million and 2. And you happen to drop in the three millionth and second coin or credit, and bam, you win that jackpot. Well, another version of it is must hit by. It starts at a low amount, and the RNG determines that somewhere in that range between the reset and the max amount, it will hit. And obviously, some hit low, some hit in the middle, and some hit high. And if you're an advantage player, you're going to look for those ones who haven't hit because the controller will make it hit. So let's say there's a $1,000 range on that progressive. If for some reason the RNG hasn't hit it in the first 900, now you only have 100 odds left. And if it gets down to 50, you only have it. So, I mean, your odds just get really good. And it's fun for for almost every player to find those kinds of machines that are more than halfway up their range. So should we expect to see more of those types of machines coming? They're already out there, particularly in high limit. Um, that Ainsworth design really triggered a lot of designers to follow this and do must-hit buys, and you'll see quite a bit. I don't see as many in low denom. They tend to just go with what I call straight mysteries meaning they hit frequently anyway. In, in fact, most of your smaller jackpots, on when you fly five or six meters, they are kind of on a modified must-hit-by anyway, meaning their frequency is so common. They want those little jackpots to hit. It's a modern form of the dribble pay. All right, we're going to take a brief break for commercials now. When we get back, we're going to at least start by talking about what interesting new video poker games uh, we found at the show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The South Point has more than 10,000 games returning at least 
This is more such games than anyone else has. The October promotion is logo merchandise celebrating the South Point 400 NASCAR event. You can earn these by earning 1,800 points weekly on any machine, limit one per player per week, and you must pick up your own gift. The last two ones that have not been um, claimed by the time of this recording, from October 17th to 20th, you get a logo folding chair suitable for sporting events or the beach or such. And October 24th to 27th, you get a quarter zipper pullover. If you earn and pick up all four gifts, you'll receive $100 in free play, which will be on your card midnight to midnight, Sunday, October 30th, and Monday, October 31st. If you're serious about card counting, the Blackjack Apprenticeship membership is a great way to learn, train, network, and get the resources you need to succeed. We've had quite a few guests on Gambling with an Edge who exclusively trained and got their start through Blackjack Apprenticeship. Check out their website at blackjackapprenticeship.com. They have member forums, training software, and guides to help you learn. That's blackjackapprenticeship.com, and you will find a link in the show notes. Videopoker.com is the best place to play lots of games. If you sign up for the gold membership, $8.95 a month or $79.95 a year, this allows you to get correction on most of the games. Game of the Week, Magic Deal Poker. This is a 10 coins per line game where periodically, prior to the deal, you receive one, two, or three magic cards. These are like wild cards, except they are determined after all the other cards are dealt, and they must take the value of a real card which means you cannot have five of a kind in a game like Double Double Bonus. The frequency of magic deal cards depends on the game. On game where two pair receives even money, then the value of four of a kinds are low, and you get, excuse me, the value of four of a kinds are high, and you get few magic deal cards. On game where two pair pays double money, which is basically jacks are better in bonus poker, but the four of a kinds pay much less, you will get significantly more Magic Deal cards. If you're interested in getting an edge at sports betting, then unabated.com is a great resource for you. Founded by frequent Gambling with an Edge guests, Captain Jack and Rufus Peabody, unabated.com is designed for both new and experienced sports bettors. Their real-time odds screen tools and calculators take a lot of guesswork out of trying to quantify your edge. There is also plenty of free education and instruction to help you along your journey to become a sharper sports better. You can currently take advantage of a seven-day free trial to decide if the premium membership at unabated.com is right for you. All right, we're back to talking about the gaming show. So I want to talk about three new and upcoming video poker games that I saw that, is worth, that are worth talking about. Now, in real life, when I'm choosing a video poker game, I'm looking at the return on the game, the slot club, the mailers, promotions, and comps at a particular casino. Today, none of those factors are being considered because each of these game types that are offered at the show come in a 94% version, a 97%, a 99%, etc. Slot directors can choose which version they have on their floor, and they don't have to have the same return on all of the games on a um, 
on a jacks or better game in a particular variety, they might have a 99% version, whereas a double-double, they might have a 96% version. And so we won't know any of those things until we actually see them in the casino. Um, with that said, the format of three games, new games, caught my eye. They were all at IGT and uh, tourvideopoker.com. The first one was fascinating as a games player. It's called Fortune X Video Poker. You pay 10 coins per line, which is double money. Every 11 hands on average, you receive a series of multipliers, which is always in the sequence 2x, 3x, 5x, 8x, 12x. These multipliers are basically on every hand of the game. If you're playing 10 play, well, then you'll, you'll get this 8x multiplier on all 10 lines. And you can decide whether to accept it or not after you see the cards on the deal. If you're at the 2x level and um, you're dealt aces with a kicker, well, you're going to accept a 2x multiplier because the value of that on such a premium hand as aces with a kicker far exceeds what you would expect to get 12x later when you're getting a nothing hand. Um, but if you decide not to take the 2x, then on the next hand, you get 3x. If you decide not to take the 3x, on the next hand, you get 5x etc. If you decline all the multipliers, you're going to get the 12x multiplier on the last hand. There will be an optimal strategy as to which multiplier to take. I haven't figured it out or read it anywhere yet. I'm sure the internet will be ablaze with this. Um, uh, you will accept a, you know, is a dealt full house on the 2x version, is that a good enough one to take or not? Uh, 2x is not that big compared to 12x later, but a dealt full house is a much bigger than average hand. So um, the hand you would accept this again? It. I'm sorry? What triggers this? When does this start? The 2x? It triggers, it triggers randomly every 11 hands on average. So you're huh. going to get this sequence frequently. Um, and does it does it have a counter? Like you've played three hands already, four hands already. Well, you know that if you're 11? playing, if you know, and it, it's not every eleven hands like clockwork. It's over the course of you know eleven hundred hands. You're going to have this about a hundred times. Um, but there could be obviously uh, you could get it right away next very next hand you can you know it could be twenty or thirty hands before you get it so there's a random effect oh I there. see I see now even though there's an optimal strategy there is huge potential for a regret factor to be built in if you select one of the early multipliers there's a very small but positive chance that on the hand you would have received the twelve x you're going to be dealt a royal. Well, it sure would be nice to have that 12x option available when this happens. Far more likely, you'll be dealt 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 of mixed suits. If that happens, your 12x hands, you'll wish you'd use your multiplier earlier. The net effect probably is because many players will remember the times that they were burned. They didn't have their multipliers still in the bank when they got the big hand. Um, 
people will wait until the end more often than they should, meaning the machines will overhold, which is good for knowledgeable players because casinos can uh, offer better pay schedules than they could if players played it correctly. The game will probably be vulnerable, meaning let's say after declining the 5x multiplier, the player cashes out and leaves the machine, where the next two hands will be 8x if you want it or 12x if you refuse the 8x multiplier. Since you're only playing 2x, meaning 10 coins per line, Playing these off at the higher multiplier levels gives you a huge overlay. We'll have to see how this machine displays the impending multipliers. And you can bet players will get very good at noticing that. We'll make vulturing on these games a lot more likely than you get them on Ultimate X. Bob and I played this game together at G2E, and it fascinated me because it incorporates several of the basic foundation blocks of gaming. One is that whole concept of taking the win now or waiting for a bigger one later kind of comes from a slot concept. A lot of people know a game called Top Dollar where they have a similar mechanic. The other one is I, I think you're going to see a lot of non-knowledgeable poker players thinking this whole thing is rigged. It, it's kind of like when you pick on the screen and you're picking your bonus and you pick one and you didn't get it and then it shows later that the one next to it was a thousand dollars and you think it's rigged well they aren't nor is this game in fact the poker will continue to play just as it would on a regular machine there's no setup that it knows you're not going to take 2x because the next hand's a royal flush the poker deals will be random and, and again, the jackpot will be random because guess what? In the long run, that benefits us too because the machine holds true. And then the most fascinating one is what Bob mentioned. If you can create, we used to call this concept years ago, it was almost declared illegal, a thing called near miss. If it, They used to have a machine from Universal that came out and, and since they knew that uh, RNG could do the winning or losing combination, these guys went, if it's a losing combination, why don't we manipulate the reels so above and below and everything else, all around it is winning combinations, and that was called near miss. Well, the gaming commissioners didn't like that and outlawed that machine. But with video machines, you can achieve that. And, and I liken what Bob showed me to near miss, meaning you have this regret factor when you either threw away a good one too early or you took it too early, you know you could have done better when you see it. And I think that will be a fascinating concept to follow through, Bob. And, and it should create some interest. Believe it or not, Bob and I started to play the game and the, the IGT rep won over and said, let me rig it for you. And because of the machines at the show have a thing called a gaff feature. And Bob said, no, we just want to play it straight. And lo and behold, obviously not playing our money in the story of my life, we held out till the 12X and we hit it. You know, it never happens when I'm playing my money, Bob. But it, it was interesting, the concept of this game. I, I think it'll be really interesting to watch the future of this game and see how it does. 
Very good. Another game I saw that I thought was interesting. Uh, it's not videopoker.com. It is IGT. It's called Big City Force. It's a six coin per line game where the bonus comes on quads, four of a kind, which happen at one hand in 420 approximately. Every time you get this four of a kind, you get a bonus of 150 coins guaranteed. You then get a 50-50 chance to move that up to 300. And if you move it up, a 50-50 chance to move it up to 500 and another 50-50 chance to move it up to 800. You keep the bonus you've earned and you keep going until you lose. So it is a double up feature, but unlike the ones you've seen before. The normal double up, double up features on IGT is they will deal you five cards. It will turn over the first one and you basically have to beat the dealer to double up and it's 50-50. In this case, you get three cards, um, not ranks. Uh, they're all different. Could be two, seven, and nine. Um, and it shuffles them and displays them kind of three card money fashion. And you pick the high one. If you pick the high one, then you move on. If you pick the low one, you're out. If you pick the one in the middle, they'll do it all over again. So even though there's three cards, it's a 50-50 chance. You either get the high one for a win, low one, you're out. So if you do it, if you get up to the top level, 800, uh, which you have, you're going to get up there, um, you're going to succeed at the top level, one chance in eight quads. So if we're using the 420 coin frequency for four of a kind, eight times that is a little over uh, 3,300 hands, which is going to take a while. Um, there's a progressive on it. It is fed by three of a kinds that you've gotten. So if you're playing a 10 coin per line, no, if you're playing a 10 line game, 10 play, uh, you will have a lot of these four of a kind, a lot of these three of a kinds building up the progressive. So we saw progressives that Instead of starting off at 800, it, add, it was up to 1,000 or 1,100. So that will add to the EV, um, but it's hard to hit. You're going to get it every 3,000 hands or so. Uh, you will collect it. So the strategy is basically normal, a, a change, um, but four of a kinds are paying a lot more. So um, if you... In most video poker games, if you're belt, dealt a pair of kings and a pair of fours and a five, in most games, it's correct to hold two pair. Uh, whereas beginner players frequently will just hold the kings. The In this game, it will probably be correct to hold the kings because there's such a bonus on four of a kind. The last one I'm just going to briefly mention i don't really have time to explain it because we're running out of time it is full house or better dream card i'm sorry full house or better wheel poker if you get a full house uh after the play you get to spin the wheel if you get higher than a full house um the wheel values are doubled so this, again, will require strategic changes because uh, pay schedule categories are boosted by this wheel amount. It will be higher EV to play the wheel version, 
than just the five coin version. All right, those are the top three games um, that I saw. Did uh, before we get into the recommended section, buddy? Did you have any comment on the video poker games? Just quickly, I talked about the elimination of bingo and buffets, and I'm worried that some operators may throw video poker in there as well because, as you know, it's not the highest win per device unit in the casino, even though it is the most played thing. And then two other quick comments. In 2019, before the pandemic, you and I were worried about facial recognition cameras being built in the video poker machines. Most yes. manufacturers have dropped that idea, which I think your listeners will love. Uh, and I also talked about new analytical programs that evaluated players based on their skill level to reward comps. That software is still out there, but I've yet to see many operators adopt it. So that's also good news for your listeners. Very good. Buddy, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. You have a different perspective on these games than most of our uh, listeners do. And it's good for us to hear your side of it, too. At the end of the show, we have a recommended section where Richard and I and sometimes our guests have something to recommend to you, the audience. Now, an hour ago, Richard told me he did not have a recommended this week. Has that changed in the last hour, Richard? Uh, yeah, I, I uh, came up with something that uh, I thought was great that I could recommend. So um, this is a podcast that I've recommended before. Um, this particular episode, actually, it's a two-part episode at The Ringer, and the, the Ringer has a podcast called Gamblers. And they did a two-part episode where they followed around Rufus Peabody, who's uh, a guest on our show and from Unabated, where uh, he and his brother uh, ran around and got down $2 million worth of action on prop bets on the last Super Bowl. So uh, they're great episodes, and uh, for our audience, I, I think they will find them highly entertaining. Yes, I, I I love that show. Um, Richard and I have both been on that guest on it at least twice, and uh, I'd be happy to watch the the Rufus show. That 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 should be interesting. The a book I want to recommend is called Longevity Paradox by Dr. Stephen M. Gundry. Now, I've recommended two other longevity experts recently, David Sinclair and Walter Longo. Uh, Gundry's Longevity Paradise is another book that belongs in discussion. The so-called paradox is that intermittent fasting tricks your body into thinking it's in survival mode. And when your body is in survival mode, it unleashes very healthy defense mechanisms. Um, all these books deny the well-known aphorism of you are what you eat in favor of some version as you are what you digest. Gundry emphasizes more than others in his warning about lectins causing inflammation and hindering your gut absorbing needed nutrients. Lectins are proteins that bind to carbohydrates such as raw legumes, which are beans, lentils, peas, soybeans, peanuts, those kind of things, and whole grains like wheat 
contain the highest amount of lectins. Soaking or cooking the beans destroys the lectins, but they remain in wheat even after being processed in flour. Is Gundry right about avoiding lectins? I can't say. You can find experts who agree with him and others who call him a peddler of fake, a peddler of fake medicine. But avoiding wheat isn't that difficult, at least for me. There are a lot of options that, it's, um, that avoid the possibility of the problem. One advantage of Gundry's book um, compared to the other two is that Gundry is writes more for the layman. So it's understandable by a person who's not well-versed in medical jargon. Buddy Frank, do you have a recommended for our listeners? I do. I've been spending a lot of time researching this world of hackers and uh, ransomware and cyber warfare. And there's a book that's both frightening but informative. It's by Nicole Perloff from the New York Times. She's their cyber reporter, and she's written an incredible book, really well-researched. It's called This Is How They Tell Me the World Will End. And you've got to realize that someone sitting at a keyboard with a single stroke can essentially end life as we know it. One, you won't have any podcasts, Richard, or, or radio show because it all works on chips and your tap water won't work and your TV won't work and your bank account will be gone and the lights won't come on. Pretty frightening. And it's real. So you need to read this book. Yes, a lot of us those kind of thoughts they're too scary to contemplate so we pretend that they aren't real but they of course are and they could happen and it there could be a nuclear war in the very near future um scary things are happening over in russia and ukraine all right thank you buddy frank thank you Thanks Richard. For having me on. go out and hit lots of royal flushes everybody especially with the 12x multiplier good day